Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Question, why are bugs terrifying? I don't know. They're so small. They're They're so weak compared to us. Yeah, but the wasps that were circling around my back door yesterday, they could have stung me. Uh Uh-huh. 107.1. If you were in Des Moines yesterday and you happened to see a woman walking through her yard, carrying a rake... With a wreath on the end of the tines of the rake. Ha! Dumping the wreath on the other side of her chain link fence. I can explain. <laughs> what? You, you left here in a hurry yesterday, Jen. It all started with a text from my daughter. Mom! The text yelled to me. There's a giant hornet's nest in the wreath on our back door. Okay, that is legitimately scary, though. And I was like, hornets. I mean, hornets are just ugly and mean and nasty and yuck. I'm pretty sure they came after Adam and Eve had the fruit. As a result of the fall. That's that's when God put them in the world. (laughs) Took a bite, boom, hornets. So, not a fan. And according to my daughter, there was a giant hornet's nest in the wreath in our back door. Giant. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, Taylor, I got to go. I got to go deal with this. So I'm driving home thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? And that was when I came up with the idea that rakes are long and they have tines on the end of them, right? And so I got out of my car. I grabbed the rake and I approached the back door, grabbed the wreath with the... uh, the tines threw it off the door (laughs) it landed in the grass and lo and behold there was a little hornet's nest oh so a little one not a giant it was about two inches long okay i mean well you know but there were five hornets oh boy that even though i removed their home and threw it way in the back gully these five hornets are buzzing around my back door because now they don't know where their home is gone. I know. I just left it over here somewhere if I keep on looking. For hours yesterday, oh, man. we were held hostage in our home by hornets in the back door. You were hornet hostages. Until a friend came over, dun, 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 armed with bug spray with a long nozzle. Oh, one of those. Yeah. And shot the hornets with the bug spray. And now the hornets are dead. That was harrowing. It really, you didn't live it. A harrowing hornet do hostage I, I have, ordeal. Is my hair grayer? Because that's what it no, feels like. No, Jen. There is zero gray in Thank your you. hair. You are a good friend. It's deep chestnut brown. <laughs> that's what the box says, too. <laughs> so I was held hostage by five mean, nasty, ugly wasps yesterday outside my back door. Mm-hmm. Until a friend, nay, a knight in shining armor came <laughs> and disposed of them with bug spray and a towel. And we want to know your bug disposal story. I worked for a pest control company and uh, I was at a restaurant in Ankeny no. uh, doing their pest control and I was outside. Okay. And there was a praying mantis just on the parking lot. And I think he just knew who I was. <laughs> and he started attacking me. And there's people driving by the restaurant. It's on a busy main street in Ankeny. And I'm over here fighting a praying mantis. And it's flying around me. And 
I'm squirting pesticide in the air trying to get it. And I could only imagine that I was just the talk of the town for maybe a few days. You know? I have never heard of a praying mantis attacking anybody except for its mate. Yeah. I was happy that he or she whatever did not eat my head. So, yeah. That's so. as they are prone yeah. to Dodged do. Dodged a bullet on that one. So I, I thank God for at least sparing me that Question. Why are bugs terrifying? I don't know. They're so small. They're so weak compared to us. Yeah, but the wasps that were circling around my back door yesterday, they could have stung me. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. No, you don't want to well, be stung. No, and, and that's the thing is, I'm terrified of them too, but I don't understand why. There were five of them. I would love to make fun of you for your bug disposal story, but Lindsay and I have dealt with wasp disposal before, and oh. it was it was traumatizing. Okay, so what happened? So it was right after we'd gotten married, Okay, and we've got our new townhouse that we're going to go into, and we were just kind of dropping our stuff off before we leave for our honeymoon. Okay. We go up to the bedroom, and we open the door, and there is a massive wasp. Like, I think okay. it was probably six feet tall. <laughs> Give or take. Okay. All right. So, Not what you want to find in your bedroom. And so we're like, okay, open the window, and maybe we can, like, scare it out. But you don't want to scare it too much, because then it gets mean. So we're just, like, sitting back and being like, boo! <laughs> Go away. Come on. Go on. <laughs> and it's it's not going anywhere. So finally, we say to ourselves. Selves. How long is this honeymoon? Seven days? Yeah. Wasps can't survive without food for seven days. So we're going to, instead of like trying to smush it or, or get it with the bug spray, we're going to close the window. We're going to close the bedroom door and we're just going to leave. <laughs> we're going to starve that sucker out. Would you believe we came back from our honeymoon and it was still alive? Would you believe? That thing was still going and I had to take a magazine to it and I almost missed. Why are bugs so terrifying? Was it at least a little bit weaker? No. I think it fed on hatred. That was its nutrients. And so I came back and and it had feasted. Sarah, you've had an incident with bugs? I lived in Florida for nine years. For whatever reason, uh, wolf spiders had taken up residence in the attic of my triplex. No. And they would come down through the, like, vents and things like that into my apartment. And I don't know how much you know about wolf spiders. Too much. They get pretty big. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Yeah, they do. I woke up in the middle of the night. (laughs) And there was a wolf spider on the ceiling of my bedroom above my bed above me. I just said, nope. I grabbed my pillow. I went into my son's room. I laid down in his car bed with him, and I went to sleep. Don't know what happened. (laughs) Excuse me, son. I'm having a nightmare in real life. Can I sleep in your bed? Honey, move over. (laughs) Mommy needs the car bed. I actually got out of the shower once and was cornered by one. And the only thing that I had available to me was hairspray. I unloaded almost an entire can of hairspray. I, from now on, I have to get extra super hold in case any spiders come. Jen, we've been through a lot this morning. It's been a tough show. We, you know, hearing different people's encounters, their stories of bugs. Bugs. And how scary and creepy and crawly no. they are. Horrifying. It's, yeah. Terrifying. And I think what, what what we want for you right now is to feel what we felt without experiencing what we experienced. 
So we have collected our reactions and our thoughts on seeing bugs and set them to music. No! 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 Dr. Heidi, I came across an article the other day. It said that even though we are more connected than we ever have been, well over half of adults and teenagers say that they are lonely. It made me sad, but it also yeah. made me realize, I mean, going through a pandemic and having to socially distance people who were already lonely was just yeah. adding fuel to the fire. Honestly, this has been one of my big concerns. I'm not surprised at the statistics support that because that's what I've been seeing in my office. And the truth is, is that God created us to be connected to other human beings and to be known. And when we mistake Facebook statuses with being known and accepted by real people in real time, that breeds loneliness. Mm. I think if you're someone who's feeling that, I think taking the time to slow down and just put words to it and recognize about this pain that I'm feeling. Because loneliness is not just feeling left out once in a while. It's that emotional pain when you feel like nobody sees you. You're invisible. And if you weren't here, maybe nobody would notice. And that's a very different type of emotional pain. Some of us felt alone during the pandemic because we were forced away from our social situations. But the part of the article that I think surprised me the most was how much younger people, it's almost a pandemic of loneliness. And these kids are connected all the time. So one of the interesting things I noticed was that my teenagers were the ones who did not want to do telehealth sessions. They were the ones who wanted to come meet in person. And I, I was actually encouraged by that because I think you're right. There's so much virtual connection in their life that they didn't want more of that. I think we can encourage them and challenge them like, yeah, it does feel different to hang out in person and we can recognize them and get them talking and paying attention to what they notice about that and helping them have those situations where they can connect. We have a foreign exchange student with us and right before she went home for the year, I made sure she connected with one friend in one coffee shop because she literally had not spent any connections with friends for like three months. And I was like, you have to have a physical connection in the same space as at least one friend before you go home. Yeah. And she perked up. She's like a little flower, Hmm. right? Like, yeah, (laughs) we need that. And it makes a difference when we are sitting with people in the same space and we're talking to them eyeball to eyeball. You made a comment earlier, Heidi, about part of loneliness is that we don't feel seen or known. I think about my typical online interactions are are curated. I'm going to share very specific things about my life. And even when you get on a Zoom session, it's hard to really get into the nitty gritty just because of the the format. But I think about we have had some really meaningful life giving Zoom sessions. And what I'm realizing is the ones I feel the most filled up over are the ones that I've opened up the most in. Hmm. Where there have been people who have gotten like really vulnerable and shared the messiness of their life and everybody kind of moves to them as socially distanced as we can be and mm-hmm. say, I hurt with you and I'm here for you. I love that word vulnerable because that's really the answer. We have to take a risk to choose to be vulnerable with other people if we want to be known. And that is terrifying. 
especially if we've been hurt by relationships in the past. But the truth is we don't experience love and care without risk. Often when we can take the risk ourselves and we can be the one that chooses to be vulnerable in a group of friends at a coffee shop or in a Zoom meeting, that can set the tone and create safety for other people to likewise then be vulnerable. And then it takes your connection up a notch, right? All of a sudden you feel known, you feel seen, you don't have to worry about what they will say if they know, because they know and you've seen it and you don't have to wonder about their reaction. There seems to be so much right now in our world that is trying to tear us apart, trying to isolate us. For goodness sake. I mean, this virus has us staying in our houses with with masks when Mm -hmm. we go out into public. There is a lot to contribute to already what was an epidemic of loneliness during the spring when we were all basically sequestered in our homes. Really hunkered down. Maybe you, like me, turned to social media because you felt like it was the only place where there were people. Yeah. You can see them there. They're interacting. They're, you know, there was a stretch where everybody was telling these great pandemic jokes. (laughs) Yeah. Remember that? And at first it was fun. It was all about recipes and pandemic jokes. And then the longer and longer and longer that it's gone and the more and more things that have happened, I think social media has become actually a very sad place to be. It divides us. Yeah. But I I understand why you went there. I understand why we went there because we felt like we were missing out on a party. I was very lonely during this pandemic because on top of it being a pandemic, I'm also newly single. (laughs) So I had to go through a global pandemic alone. Yeah. And I mean, I have you and I have you. But when I was in my home, you know, my kids and I were alone. It's just you guys. And it was hard. It was hard. And I thought many times that social media would make me feel better. But it didn't. It does like (laughs) in the instant you get that first little, oh, there's stuff, there's flashing lights and I have a notification and then you get done and it's just like empty and sad and divided and and restless And I do not think that that is how God wants us to be. And uh, I think what I come back to is social media in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. I don't want to come across saying that. Tools often aren't. However, when I'm sitting on my therapist's couch and she says, you know something that might help. Spend a little less time on Facebook. Mm. I've really been reevaluating how I spend that spare time. I don't know what it is I'm looking for when I open Facebook, but I haven't found it yet. Sounds like a U2 song. I I heard somebody say that once and it hit me like a load of bricks. It's true. It's very true. I mean, we just heard Dr. Heidi say that that social media, Facebook in particular, for people my age anyway, it's not making us feel any better. It's not it's not solving the loneliness, which is an epidemic right mm-hmm. now. Over half of adults admit that they are lonely. Not not that they feel alone out, or sometimes that they are crushingly lonely. And yet we are more electronically connected than we ever have been. And there's a lot of good stuff you can do on Facebook. Absolutely. I've been able to keep yep. up with old friends. I, I'm able to see pictures of my nephew, like a lot of great stuff. However... We're seeing more and more of these studies about how extended use of social media has a real negative impact on on mental health. And let's face it, right now, 
it's not a very healthy place to be. No, it no. is just it's angry and sad and divisive and people are yelling at each other. And I'm I'm I kind of feel like from my own health, emotional and spiritual, mm-hmm. it's about time to take a break. And so Jen and I have been talking about this for a while, and we felt like this might be good timing to say we're just going to step away from social media for a little bit. We are inviting. If you want to join us, we can all commiserate together about feeling like we're missing out on all the best cat memes. We'll do we'll do daily updates. But yeah, Taylor and I are going to go on a social media diet. As in completely off of social media. It's Yeah, it's a, it's a no social media diet. It's and going to start on Monday. On Monday. I want you to understand this. We actually have been talking about this for several days now. We're actually both kind of excited about it. Because I literally had this happen yesterday where I was bored and I opened up my phone and then I forgot what happened for the next five minutes. But all of a sudden, I am knee deep in a comment section where I didn't know people were allowed to use those words in that combination. And how did you feel afterwards? Awful. Exactly. So that's what this is about. Hopefully just kind of clearing our systems a little bit before we come back into Facebook a little bit more cleared up. Spain has a problem. Spain really Spain has a problem. The birthplace of much of the beautiful Renaissance paintings mm-hmm. that you have seen and probably not recognized, but they're out there of religious icons and historical icons, these beautiful paintings. But what happens to a painting as it gets old? It starts to deteriorate, yep. gets a little faded, doesn't look quite the same as it did when it was first painted. So then you need... Somebody to come along and restore it. Which, imagine the pressure. Here is a timeless work of art. Just touch it up a bit. Yeah. The the, the schooling you yeah. must go through. The certification you must go through. The hoops you must go through to to restore a priceless painting or work of art. Yeah. But not in Spain. <laughs> No, no. Now they have to have stricter regulations and they're calling for them after not the first, not the second, not the third, but like the fifth or sixth time that some Yahoo (laughs) gets a bunch of money to restore a beautiful, priceless work of art. In this case, it is a beautiful painting of the Virgin Mary who now looks like a cross between an alien and a stick figure. Yeah, like if, you, if you've if you ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, there's a scene where he sketches a portrait of his crush and he gives it to her. That's what this And he's like. like, it took me forever to do the shading on your upper lip. That's what this looks like. This is what they have done to it this looks priceless like work of art. My junior high art projects. And, and this person took thousands of euros to do this and they walked away and went here you go did they think like you know they got called in to touch up a painting and they thought somebody would scuffed the drywall <laughs> and then they showed up and were like well we can't back out now guys hey pietro go there and take care of that drywall gouge i've, I've seen you doodle <laughs> on your napkin maybe you can do this one it's a cross between a horrible, awful, sad, mm-hmm. sick feeling and just wanting to laugh out loud. <laughs> In Spain, there was this beautiful, beautiful portrait painting, really. Uh, and it was hundreds and hundreds of years old. Oh, yeah. and it was of the Virgin Mary and angels in the background. And they called in somebody to restore it. And he now 
has made her look like a cross between a Grey's alien and a preschool picture that a child draws of their mommy. It's not great. No, it's terrible. But we have all tried to fix things and made them worse. I went to visit my parents and my mom had this doorbell that... It sounded lovely. It would make this simple chime if somebody rang the doorbell. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't working, and it would make this, like, terrible static noise. And I said, okay, go get the manual, and let's read it. I mean, I thought, you know, just tell us we can't handle it, and, you know, we're going to tackle it. It was so bad when it was done that it would play a few notes of a couple different songs. It was tragic. It sounded like banjo craziness. I mean, it was awful. Didn't even know you could do that. No, we didn't either. And then she was like, wait, I don't think the doorbell worked. Let's try it out. And she opened the front door. And the doorbell went off, and I was like, oh, we have trouble. <laughs> well, now it just works really well. There's trouble in River City exactly. now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. It's going to announce somebody who pulls up in the driveway. Takes <laughs> <laughs> a doorbell. Doorbells come with manuals? Everything comes with manuals. Well, I throw them all away. <laughs> Not your Ikea furniture. That you actually read the manual. No, those are just pictures. That is just a trip. It it is more helpful to build it without the instructions than to have that smug little smiling man standing next to a Jürgsblaflat. (laughs) And it's all done and he looks happy. Well, it's your fault for buying a Jürgsblaflat. For me, I tried to put up a curtain rod a couple weeks back Mm -hmm. and I ended up putting a hole in the drywall. I was trying to make things better. But I made it worse. Did you do something like that, Brenda? My brother and I were notorious for fighting. And we were in high school. And we got into a water fight. And it was mom's new bathroom that she just painted. Oh, boy. We realized we were in big trouble. And we tried to clean it up. And we wiped the paint off the walls. Oh. So we went downstairs, found the paint, painted it, and got the blow dryer out and blew it dry. (laughs) They never knew. Not until about 10 years later when we confessed. Oh, oh my goodness. That's amazing. That's hilarious. You didn't make it worse. You made it the same. Instead of fighting, we started working together real fast. Yeah. <laughs> I want to give you two words. Family pictures. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, my goodness. Okay, I just felt tense. How about a third word? Okay. Extended family pictures. Wow. We were going to have the entire family take pictures. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, everybody on my dad's side of the family was in one place, and we were going to get some pictures. Were you all kind of dressed coordinatingly? You know, there was a suggested color theme for each family. Yeah. And I, you know, I wanted to make sure it looked good, and so I had a fresh haircut. Hair looked good, and I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm like, okay, let's let's trim up the beard a little bit. There were some stray hairs. Famous last words. And so, you know, I, I trimmed it up, got the little, the clippers mm-hmm. with the guard on it, looked mm-hmm. pretty good, and I started evening it up on the sides. Oh, boy. And then I looked up in the mirror, and I said, oh... I didn't fix it. Oh. I made it worse. What did you do? Well, because it was, you know, I wanted to make sure that the, the tops of the sides of my beard were even. And so I would go on one side and I'd, okay, that looks good. Let's go to the other side. That looks pretty good. Oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I got to go back to the other side. Killer, you got to stop when you're ahead. And I'm going back and forth and back and forth. and Until I'm looking at my face in the mirror and I don't have a beard. I have a chin strap. Just a thin line of hair going around my jaw. And that was me in the family pictures. Oh, Taylor. I was very 
disappointed. You were very distinct. Yeah, you know, it was a bold style. Didn't play out the way I hoped it would. It has been an interesting season in the world that as we're all kind of locked up together, I think we just started looking at the world a little different sometimes. It's true. And I know once... We started opening up here in Iowa, even went so far as putting on Facebook some of the things that I want to do differently because we've had a chance to reflect on the way we've been living our lives. And we know that one of the things Jesus called us to do is to basically preach the kingdom. This is what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like, and we can start making the world look like it now. He said, go out. You know, go out into all the world, which is kind of different from the earlier days of of believers. Yeah, someone pointed this out to me that you look at a lot of these laws in the Old Testament about cleanness and uncleanness and holiness. It was basically, if you are holy and you touch something unholy, the flow is that bad moves into good and makes the good bad. So he said, be separate and don't touch stuff. Yeah, if, if you touch something unclean, you're going to be unclean. If you eat something unclean, you're going to be unclean. And then... All of a sudden, God sends a holy baby into an unholy world. And this holy baby grows up and he starts touching the lepers Mm. and the crippled Mm -hmm. and the outcasts. People that others wouldn't touch. And in that case, the bad didn't flow into the good. Jesus reversed the flow of the universe (laughs) when he came into it. All of a sudden, the holy touches the unholy and makes it holy. That's amazing. Right? You think about Pentecost when all these believers are gathered, gathered together. God sends his spirit into them. And instead of making the spirit unclean, he makes an entire people holy. And so now as believers, as we're opening up, as we're starting to go back into the world, and we've seen some things that are really wrong with our world, Mm -hmm. we have that power inside us, the power that raised Jesus from the dead to make the world around us a little more beautiful. I don't think you really enjoy it when people are late. No, nobody wants somebody else to be late. No, but sometimes you have a really good excuse. Amber, why were you late? I lost my dog in my house. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Um, Is it a really big house and a really small dog? It was a very small dog, but not a really big house. (laughs) She was four and a half pounds, and she wanted to go and stay in her her little purse, and I lost her. She was in a purse? Your dog had a purse? Oh, she had many purses and many clothes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was one of those. So your dog had hid herself in her purse... And you couldn't find yes. her, which made you late for... For my first day of my new job. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just keeps getting better. No, for real. I mean, really, this is honestly why I was late. Have you ever found yourself saying that? Because the reason why you were late was so bizarre. Sometimes you can't even believe why you're so late. I was on my way to school in high school, and all of a sudden I smelled smoke, and there were flames coming out of my, like when I turn on the heat. Flames. My car caught fire. Oh, goodness! And I'm trying to throw snow in the vent to try to get the fire out. And it wasn't working, so. That would be me. Can you imagine just driving by that? There's a car on fire and a kid just pelting it with snowballs. This will do the trick! Trust me! I got it! My friend was late for a meeting because she was there on the wrong day. That's a pretty good excuse for being late. I think the best excuses for being late are the weirdest excuses for being late. I'm packing a bag to go to my son's ball game, and I'm on the phone with my girlfriend, my best friend, and I'm 
grabbing the sunscreen and the sunflower seeds and the bottled water and everything that you need for a hot day at the ballpark, right? And and I'm getting all flustered and upset. I said, I'm, I'm going to be late. I, I can't be late. And she's like, what are you looking for? And I said, my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, aren't you on it? <laughs> I wouldn't have been that nice. I would have been like, well, where's the last place you remember seeing it? <laughs> oh, that's you great. Perfect friends. <laughs> that's so good. My father believed that if you weren't 10 minutes early, you were late. Yeah. That's exactly how it works. I mean, it was next to godliness <laughs> that you were on time. Dad, Dad was all about being on time. So I have this never-ending fear of being late. But it happens because life. And sometimes <laughs> life is very entertaining. I had kids in daycare, and I was loading them up and got my lunch packed on my way to work, filled up the water bottles started to step out the door, grab my keys, and I'm like, my phone, where's my phone? Of course, it's always the phone. And so I'm looking in my bag, tearing my purse apart, not there, ran up to the car, not there, where's my phone? So I literally had to retrace every step in my head, take a breath, start back. I found the phone in the freezer where I got the ice. (laughs) Your poor phone. You actually thought to look in the freezer. That's impressive. (laughs) Believe me, when I opened that freezer door, I'm like, for real. It's yep. not going to be here, but yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it oh, was. my goodness. <laughs> Camping is a wonderful thing for other people. No, my- <laughs> you, you and I famously, uh, not no, a big fan of camping. Not huge fans of outside sleeping, okay? But my friend Sarah and her daughter decided that while her husband and son were off on a, on a trip, that the two girls, along with two other gals, another mom and her daughter, they were going to go take a girl camping trip. Okay. All right? And this was camping, not glamping. Okay, so actual like tents. tents you're cooking yep. over the fire. Yep, they were going to do okay. it. They were going to do it right. And she said, you know, if it weren't for the stay at home and the pandemic, I never would have thought to do this. But we just got really, really interested in getting out of the house. I, I, I sympathize with that. <laughs> they did it. And she said, and, and who knew that putting your stuff away in your locked cooler outside your tent wasn't enough. And I'm like, wasn't enough for what? She was like, to keep it away from three o'clock in the morning. She and her friend got awakened to awakened to some weird sounds outside. Okay. Weird sounds. And they, they, they left the girls sleeping and they kind of opened up the tent. Oh, you don't flap. check out the weird sound. You don't <laughs> look at the weird outside. sound. And the very crafty raccoons. Oh. Four or five of them raccoons. had not just gotten their locked uh, cooler open, but they were rifling, <laughs> rifling <laughs> through the food. She said, as my eyes got adjusted to the darkness, I noticed that these raccoons were literally picking stuff up and going, eh. Picking something up, eh. Do you want to know what they ate? I, I'm really curious what, what they wanted to eat. Deconstru- deconstructed s'mores. They started with the marshmallows, uh-huh. and then they went to the chocolate, and then they ate the graham crackers. They left the meat, they left the veggies, they left everything else. They ate deconstructed s'mores. So what you're telling me is that I have more in common with raccoons than I think. <laughs> so my friend Sarah had an adventure with wildlife. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can call raccoons wildlife. <laughs> so did you know what you're supposed to do if, you, if you're on a camping trip, and you're inside a tent... <laughs> And at three o'clock in the morning, you hear a rustle outside and you see four, maybe five raccoons digging through your cooler. 
Do you know what you're supposed to do? Are they one of the ones where you're supposed to like make yourself bigger? And so you like put a put a stick on top of your head so it makes you look taller? Sarah said, I figured that out after I was Googling how to get raccoons to go away <laughs> from inside her tent. That's, that's a very not outdoorsy response to an outdoorsy problem. Pick up your phone and Google it. And that's exactly what it said. Make yourself big. Oh, that is what you're supposed yes. to do. Make yourself big and noisy. Okay, right. big and noisy. So my friend and her friend are like, you go do it. No, you go do it. No, you go do it. <laughs> so the whole time the squirrels are like, I think we woke them up. <laughs> so finally, not Sarah, her friend unzipped it, went outside, made a big old noise, you know, like held her hands up and was like, Rah! The raccoons literally turned and looked at her. She's like, Jen, I promise you, one of them literally slung his elbow over the edge of the cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Looked at my friend. The four of them kind of looked at each other and they were like, eh, okay. And then they just rambled off into the woods. Oh my goodness. Oh, there's the beautiful open sky Mm. and the fresh air and the campfire smell. I mean, oh, there's wonderful parts of camping. But then sometimes you run into wildlife like your friend Sarah did with those raccoons. (laughs) And it just goes not so great. Kind of like it did with Pam. I was camping with my husband and my kids and in the middle of the night I got woken up by raccoons getting in our stuff and I don't know if I thought it was the kids in my sleep or whatever, but in a really deep, mean, you know, mom voice, I said, what do you think you're doing? And they ran off. <laughs> so that's that's the correct response. What do you think you, you're doing? In a mom voice. A mom voice. Like, you are serious. <laughs> you probably used his middle name. I, I might have. <laughs> this has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.